Welcome to this bonus episode of Make the Shift, the podcast that helps you work better beyond the nine to five. In this episode, you'll hear the full interview with Associate Professor Maxine Bonham from the Nutrition, Dietetics and Food Department at Monash University in Melbourne. We talk about the effect that shift work can have on your metabolism and nutrition. It's a fascinating chat where we delve into some of the unexpected effects of not just what you eat, but when you eat it. Enjoy. My name's Maxine Bonham. I'm an associate professor at Monash University in the Department of Nutrition, Dietetics and Food. Historically, I did an undergraduate degree in human biology and, and majored in nutrition, which ignited my passion for nutrition. I've worked across three universities running all sorts of research studies in nutrition interventions, looking at metabolic health. And it was when I came to Monash, I developed this real interest in looking at timing of nutrition and the impacts of mistiming on metabolic health. And this has led me to to working with shift workers. That's fantastic and really, really cool. What was it about nutrition that kind of lit the fire for you? I always think back to, it was something in my undergraduate degree and we were doing just some work looking at colon cancer across the world and the fact that there are African countries with really poor nutrition who didn't develop colon cancer and it was because they basically had fiber in their diet or that was how it was explained to me back then. And I think for me that light bulb moment that one single nutrient can actually change your complete disease risk and how long you may live was just, yeah, mind-blowing. And tell me about how you got into looking at timing of meals. How did you get into that area? I guess I've always worked in studies where we've given people meals and when we followed their glucose and insulin responses to see if certain foods are better or, or worse or make your body respond differently. But it was working with the sleep group base, which is where I am located, and they started talking about the circadian disruption and how it can affect your body clock. And I started thinking, surely that couldn't impact nutrition. Surely it doesn't matter what time of the day you actually eat. And we did some initial studies where we gave people meals in the morning and meals at nighttime. And lo and behold, the body just does not metabolize food as well at nighttime. And that really, I think, was the first study that started me down this pathway of looking into perhaps the timing of food as well as the, the composition of the food we eat that may have implications for, for long-term health risks. I just want to go right back to the start in terms of a good diet, because I think it's kind of one of those terms that everybody sort of thinks they know what eating healthy actually means. But what does it mean to you? For me, I, I guess it's moderation and balance. We do have very good Australian dietary guidelines, which are evidence-based and, and just indicate that balance of grains, fiber, lean meats, some dairy and fruit and vegetable. And if you have that in, in, in a balance, you, you really are on the right tracks to good health. But it, it is all about, it's a bit of a cliche, but balance and moderation, I think, is really the way to go. Yeah. And it seems like everybody's got their head around that in a sort of abstract sense. Do you think there's a bit of a challenge in applying that to everyday life? And especially for somebody like a shift worker who doesn't necessarily get the rules of when to eat and what to eat, they get thrown up in the air because you might be sleeping across quote unquote regular meal times. It is challenging for people to eat well. Otherwise, we, we wouldn't have the types of disease risk that we do. So yes, we talk about having 
this amount of fruit and vegetables or getting water or having high fiber. But if you're a shift worker, you're in Lee and Gatha, say, where are you going to go at 3 a.m. in the morning where you have your meal break? What, what are your options? Unless you have been able to bring in food, have facilities to heat it up, or potentially your workplace has a vending machine, which we know from experience are not necessarily filled with the best types of food. So Overall, eating well is really challenging. There's just so much food in front of us all the time. We never go short. What's tasty, what's quick isn't necessarily the best options. But for shift workers, that actually may be your only option overnight for for certain workplaces. So an additional challenge all round. For shift work specifically, the consequence of working shift work are probably higher likelihoods to develop diabetes, cardiovascular disease. And that's over and above what we may see in the general population. So there's a propensity to gain weight more quickly over time than your day working counterparts. But this increased risk of diabetes and cardiovascular health, cardiovascular disease was, I guess, one of the aspects that really got me interested in looking at what it is that really impacts on shift workers' lifestyle. Is that due to the nature of shift work in terms of physiological factors like what time you're eating or is it that environmental factor of walking past the vending machine at three o'clock in the morning going, bloody hell, I need a chocolate bar? It's, it's like everything else. It's a combination of factors. Your physiological processes are, are disrupted by eating at nighttime. Typically, as humans, we, we like to sleep at night and, and work and exercise during the day. And that's turned on its head for shift workers. And not only is it turned on its head for rotating shift workers, it, it never stays still. So they have day shift, evening shift, night shift, day off. Your body, it's like you're constantly in a state of jet lag. You don't get enough sleep, which is a risk for certain disease states. Your nutrition is quite poor. You probably don't have that lifestyle. You don't eat with your family. You don't necessarily pick your kids up from school. You can't do team sport. You can't go to the cinema with your friends because because you're at work. So the lack of sleep, the poor nutrition, the lack of physical activity is just really amplified in shift workers. It's what we see typically in populations anyway. But for these shift workers, when they're doing everything almost upside down, it just adds that layer of complexity and has um, yeah, health impacts. So tell me about what actually happens to our body when we don't eat at a regular time. What actually happens physiologically that would have an effect on us? If, if we think about typically what happens, you you sleep overnight and breakfast is the breaking of your overnight fast. So that's why it's breakfast. So you have your food in the morning, it fuels you for the day. And by the time you get to nighttime, your body's beginning to get ready to go to bed. So there's hormones, your sleepy hormone or melatonins starting to go up and you're starting to prepare for bed. So your body switches out of an eating mode to this fasting mode. So physiologically processes are changing. And suddenly what happens is you start adding in food at 10 o'clock, midnight, 2 a.m., 4 a.m. Your body's trying to sleep and your liver and your kidney, your whole system is now going, oh my goodness, I've got all this food to deal with. I'm now going to have to start doing all these things that I like to do during the day and I don't do as well at night. And the responses you see are just exaggerated and longer. So the study I mentioned earlier where we gave a meal in the morning and a meal at nighttime, in the morning, your glucose may go up and down really quickly as you break down the food. So within 30, 60 minutes, you may be back to your starting levels. At nighttime, after two or three hours, your glucose still could be up high. And we left 
participants in our study with glucose levels that would typically during the day give you a diagnosis of pre-diabetes, so an early stage risk for diabetes development. It's human nature to want to hack the system a little bit. It's human nature to want to go, okay, I want to be able to work during the nighttime or or I'm going to have to work during the nighttime. Are there things that we can do to change when our body is sort of most effective at metabolizing food? That's a, a really good question. Whether we can actually change it. I I don't know. I think if shift workers work fixed nights, there's maybe a level of of adaptation. But the the ones we work with more frequently are these rotating shift workers who, as I mentioned earlier, never get this chance to adapt. So I think it's a case of trying to cheat the system a little bit. So it might be having those foods that perhaps don't see as high a glucose response or actually trying to reduce the frequency of eating occasions across the night. We've seen in some of our studies that there's this tendency to graze or perhaps even try and say during the day we would have lunchtime and then maybe we would have our dinner and we inadvertently introduce this period of fasting between our meals sometimes during the day. If there was a way of perhaps trying to introduce that at night, again, we're not challenging our body as often as currently shift workers do. So there is no way around it. Shift workers have to have to eat. But I think we can be a bit clever in when we eat and the types of foods we eat at nighttime. I suppose for me, I, I wouldn't want a big meal at three o'clock in the morning because if I had a big meal at three o'clock in the morning, I'd probably get sent to sleep. Would that be kind of one of the considerations? It, it absolutely is. And there's been some really nice data that shows if you do have a big meal, that's exactly what what happens. You want to go to sleep. So a group we work with over in South Australia have done this study where they've given a big meal or a little meal or no meal and then tracked people as if they were driving home after work. And people who had the big meal had more crashes. So it's really nice data. I don't know if it's published yet, but it does show you that, yeah, that that big meal makes you sleepy. So a little meal at nighttime may be better for, for people. The other thing is if you've had a really big meal and then you're going to go home and want to go to sleep, perhaps your body's going to spend quite a bit of time trying to digest your meal and the other part of you is trying to get to sleep. So you've got that sort of contradiction again across your your systems trying to do different things. We were talking to a shift worker yesterday and I made the point that she says, oh, you know, it's one of those things that we just have to deal with. She said that phrase in relation to about four or five different aspects of shift work. It's quite difficult to eat healthy, but it's something you have to deal with. It's quite difficult to keep up a social life, but it's something you have to deal with. It seems like there are so many little factors that all affect everything else. Is nutrition affected by some of those other factors that we see in shift workers? So like, for example, the social life or the sleep habits? We, we interview some of our shift workers. And at nighttime, sometimes they use food as almost a reward. Like that was another tough night. So I'm going to have something nice. There's this really communal spirit among some shift working industry. So we've worked with some firefighters and they have a big cook up at night. And so they sort of have a really big spread and it's like their family dinner. And I think some of the nurses we've worked with bring in treats, you know, at nighttime. Again, it's this collegiate atmosphere. So to take that away from people who are working overnight to save lives just seems really mean. (laughs) You know, they have such a hard lifestyle. And then to start taking aspects out that are the only pleasure you may get at night is it is a real challenge. It, It does maybe help you stay awake or give you something to look forward to. Uh, Same with caffeine. I I think caffeine intake in shift workers is probably higher than non-shift workers. 
because it's that trying to stay awake and trying to keep engaged and, and, and do your job. So it's really challenging. You've obviously got this cohort of people whose nutrition has been compromised by the fact that they're not eating at the times that their bodies would normally expect to eat. What are some of the complications for an employer by employing this group of people who aren't really functioning in the way that nature intended them to? I, I do think um, there's a lot of work around cognitive ability, mental health and work safe that goes on in shift work industries. I think they have really good guidance around those types of things and advice around sleep hygiene. I, I just think nutrition just probably slips through a little bit. So I think a lot of other aspects are probably really well thought out and really well controlled because they have to be. You know, you don't want a paramedic on his way to work sleepy at the wheel. So a, a lot is done to try and deal with those sort of potential consequences but I feel nutrition just slips through which is why I'm I guess so invested in it. Why do you think it does slip through the cracks? In the shift work side of things I just think there is so much around the sleep disruption and feeling tired that you don't even think that nutrition could probably add to it that much there's so many other factors going on you're you're trying to maintain your lifestyle you're trying to have a social life you're trying to get more than six hours sleep and you eat when you can so I think it's probably far down a list of priorities and understandably so if I was a shift worker what are some of the the red flags that I would be looking for that that I wasn't necessarily getting enough nutrition I would say it's Unlikely you don't get enough nutrition. It's probably whether you get the right type of nutrition. Things like having some healthy snacks available in your drawer at work would be good. Minimizing perhaps takeouts or takeaways if, if that's something that you do regularly. Trying to bring in a gap between your meals at nighttime may actually be useful. And it's interesting. We find some shift workers don't actually have that much to eat at night because it induces digestive problems because again your body's doing something it doesn't really like doing at night time so some people we found actually try and minimize food intake at night because it doesn't make them feel very well so inadvertently people do adapt to what works for them but the other thing the guidance suggests is if you could have your evening meal with your family potentially before you go in that may set you up for a few hours overnight and then you need a smaller meal overnight and that way you're trying to keep your usual body clock if you're having dinner with your family and you have breakfast before you go to bed you've sort of almost kept a consistent routine across the day so any sort of sense of trying to keep that normal pattern is is helpful i think moving on to the the employers themselves what should they be doing i think for most aspects things are really well considered for nutrition vending machines you, there's healthy vending machines available that may be an unpopular choice, but they could be switched out. I think they they trial systems during the day. They've done this at a hospital in Ballarat. I've done some work with where they've put out free fruit and veg, or free fruit actually. And the, the people who work during the day take it, but by the time the shift workers come in, it's all gone. So thinking about strategies that puts healthy food out at night, so putting out your fruit at seven o'clock at night so the people overnight can have it. I think there's just this automatic assumption that everything's done for day workers. So a bit more mindful consideration of what could be done. We've worked with paramedics quite a lot. And what happens with them, my understanding is they may get called out. And if they've missed a meal break, they sometimes return to the nearest station rather than where they came from. So if they have a lovely prepared meal and it's 
20 kilometers away and they end up at a different station, they may have no choices. So provision of perhaps food in the station or the workplace that's, I don't know, you, you pay for it, right? It, it can't be necessarily freely available, but just some food that's available that, that can be that can be purchased that is probably better than the alternatives, which may be walking out to McDonald's if you're in the CBD. It's interesting when we have all our shift work participants in, a lot of them have strategies and ways to deal with things. But, you know, if you get called in for an extra shift or it gets extended, it's out the window. So it's it's endless challenge. Are there, are there any sort of tips or tricks that you can tell us for maybe being able to walk past the vending machine at three o'clock in the morning or? Oh gosh, no. I said it's, it's willpower and yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing. And as I said, you're tired, you're cranky, you want something you're actually going to enjoy. It gives you a quick buzz, which quite often some of those foods do. Look, I guess, and it, it sounds a bit draconian, but in the long run, if those, if all those choices aren't there, people adapt. They've, they've done some work at the Alfred Hospital where they have put in the healthy vending machines and they, they did know, I think overall, that sales didn't go down. So companies are going to be worried about loss of money. People are going to be worried about loss of choice. But if it's introduced and one by one, the healthier options get increased and the not so healthy ones get reduced, there will be a sort of a mindset change. But it, it almost feels like on that side of things, it almost needs to be enforced and that's not necessarily what, what people like. How much should a shift worker be eating both on shift and off shift in terms of in terms of what they put into their body? You mentioned that it might it might sometimes go up if people start doing shift work. Well, actually that that is really interesting because we have done a little bit of work and it where we've got a systematic review where we've got as many papers as we can that have looked at energy intake of shift workers and non-shift workers. And actually overall, it doesn't look like they eat anymore. So the actual energy, I mean, this is this is really rough data. So it looks like they may not be eating any more overall, which was why I got really interested in the timing, because it makes you think if they have these increased risks of disease or more likely to put on weight. Is it more about the type of food they're eating and the frequency and the timing of the food? So it's not necessarily that, that more is eaten. It just could be that more is eaten at a time when our body is not quite as good at dealing with it. And does that timing vary person to person? So if you're a bit of a morning person, should you be eating earlier in the morning? If you're a night owl, should you be pushing that sort of stuff a little bit later in the day? I think inadvertently that happens. I suspect that it would always be beneficial to have the food intake earlier during the day when your body's primed to deal with it. But there is this, I think, natural tendency for us to be morning and evening types. And I think some of the the, the sleep people at Monash say that I think just naturally we have different body rhythms in terms of when our body prepares us to go to bed. And it may be different by two or three hours across different people. So you do have that propensity, some people to want to get up later, eat later. But I think there's a sort of a rule of thumb that maybe you shouldn't eat at least three hours before you go to bed. So maybe that's a good rule to follow. But again, that's that's a rule not for shift workers. So again, it's that sort of uh, situation where things are different and not really necessarily thought about. We can say from the work we've done that by seven or eight o'clock at night, we, we can see very definite differences in how your body metabolizes food. So as early as seven or eight o'clock, whether how progressively worse it gets, we, we don't really know. Maybe eight or nine o'clock is is, is 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 sort of not as bad as it gets, but maybe that's 
your body sort of reached its capacity to deal with food by that stage. We're not sure around that, but we do know it's by seven or eight o'clock, we see definite differences between the same, same meal in the morning. So in your professional opinion, where does the research need to be done for nutrition for shift workers? The dietary guidelines are, are geared for people who don't work shift work. So some thought going into the fact that meal timing may actually be something that should be considered a bit more. And in, in America, the their American Heart Association have put out a position statement a couple of years ago that says having a period of fasting, I mean, overnight fasting, again, not thinking about shift workers, but having this period of recovery may be quite important for your body and perhaps maybe limiting the period of time over the day over which you eat could be pulled back. So typically now we may eat for over 15 or 16 hours across the day, which gives us a much shorter time frame for our body to recover overnight. So if we could pull those eating windows in a little bit and have a longer recovery period, maybe over a longer period of time, that could sort of result in small small adjustments that may improve our, our metabolic health. But it's all very new at the moment and emerging. So something I'm interested in, but it's, it's quite a long way to go. And it's so complicated because you've got to throw sleep in there and you've got to throw physical activity and all those other aspects that sort of, it's really hard to control, but it's, it's exciting. The more I talk to people about this, the more I realize that shift work is not just turning up at an odd hour. It's a life thing, isn't it really? Yeah. I mean, I think the stats say <laughs> your life expectancy is reduced by 10 years. And if that's not a wake up call for anyone who employs shift workers, I mean, I, I, I potentially see in the US where they're so litigation mad, probably be able to sue your employer 20 years down the line because they've put you in a job that they know is going to reduce your life expectancy and give you a higher risk of getting chronic disease. So they absolutely need to think about those things. And I think the other important thing is we talk a lot about nurses and paramedics, but we, we forget like the, the truck drivers, the tram drivers, the trains, the the, the food delivery, the um, security guards, the, the people who work behind the scenes in the hospitals. There's this sort of doctors quite glamorous, but there's, there's so many other day-to-day -day workers keeping our economy going overnight and a little dumb for them, I think. Make the Shift is a podcast produced as part of the WorkWell in Wellington Toolkit by Wellington Primary Care Partnership in conjunction with WorkSafe. This podcast was recorded and edited in Gippsland on the traditional lands of the Gunai Kurnai and Bunurong peoples. It was produced by Jet Streamer and voiced by Chris Plumridge. For more episodes, search for Make the Shift on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. For more information about the Working Well in Wellington initiative or to download the toolkit, visit maketheshift.org.au.